1: 18 plus. KFI AM 640, Los Angeles, Orange County.
2: And KOST HD2.
1: It's 5 a.m. What did you miss?
2: It's time for Wake Up Call with Jennifer Jones Lee.
3: Well, good morning. Welcome to your Tuesday. Thanks for making me part of your routine. It's KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app already halfway through October. Here's what's just ahead on your Wake Up Call. The LA City Fire Department has confirmed the fire that burned in the North Valley started at the base of a power pole in Sylmar. Charter school teachers in Porter Ranch have ripped a decision to go back to class right after the wildfire. And Joe Biden's son, Hunter, has given an exclusive interview to ABC News about his business dealings with Ukraine and China. He kind of defends himself, kind of admits, might not have been the brightest thing to do. But we'll talk more about this coming up at 5.20. Well, in fact, we'll have ABC's Brian Clark on with us to talk more about what happened during that interview. 5.05, we'll talk with ABC's Mona Kosar abdi President Trump announced new sanctions yesterday to try and stop Turkey's assault on Kurdish fighters and civilians in Syria. That attack, of course, once started after the president announced he was pulling troops out of the way. Mona will tell us more and explain why the vice president is also headed to the region. 605 it's handle on the news but let's start with some of those stories coming out of the kfi 24 hour newsroom the LA city fire departments figured out where the fire that burned through the north valley started
0: now they're trying to figure out how it started this woman lives three football fields from the power pole where investigators have focused their attention
3: we've seen them back and forth
2: but no they haven't talked to us
0: southern california edison spokeswoman Mary Ann melbourne says the utility system was impacted near the time of the fire
2: out of an abundance of caution We notified
1: the California Public Utilities
0: Commission. Edison's required by law to report to the Public Utilities Commission if its equipment may be involved in a major incident in Sylmar. Chris Ancarlo, KFI News.
3: Homeowners in Porter Ranch say they have a lot of insurance questions about damage from the wildfire. There was a small spot fire on the roof, and when the firefighters went up there, they broke the tiles. No big deal, but that probably would be covered under insurance, we're hoping. A lot of minor damage was from embers landing on trees or outdoor furniture. The L.A. Fire Department says more than two dozen homes were either destroyed or damaged by the wildfire. Governor Newsom has sent a letter to PG&E requesting compensation for those who lost power in the public safety shutoffs last week in Northern California. Now, Newsom suggested a bill credit or maybe a rebate worth $100 for home customers and $250 for businesses Governor Newsom says PG&E acted with astounding neglect and a lack of preparation. The shutoff affected about two million people. The president of the state PUC says PG&E's failures in execution created an unacceptable situation that should never be repeated. And I bet there are going to be a lot of people cheering this rebate. And then I bet you're going to have a lot of people going, hey, what do you mean I only get 100 bucks? Shouldn't I get more? What about I had to go on generator for all these days? That cost me gasoline. Shouldn't I be, you know, um, reimbursed for my gas? I will see. Little, hey, you know, something's better than nothing, right? Parents and teachers at a charter school in Porter Ranch say going back right after the wildfire was a very big mistake. Students and staff wound
0: up
1: wearing face masks.
4: When I dropped off the kids in the morning it smelled really bad of smoke out
1: on and around the school. I think they should have probably inspected the school and canceled it. School officials
0: had told parents that Castle Bay Lane Charter was cleaned, but teachers yesterday took exception to that.
3: They've put the teachers and our students in an unhealthy situation.
0: Many parents picked up their kids early. In Porter Ranch, Andrew Mullenbeck, KFI News. A new
3: bill has given those who've suffered child sex abuse more time to report it. Esther Miller was just 15 years old when she was abused by a Catholic deacon, but says
2: she didn't find the courage to report it till more than three decades later. This is a crime committed against our mind, our body and our soul. That's why she says AB 18 is a victory for victims. Among other things, this bill extends the statute of limitations to age 40 and widens the definition of child sex abuse to child sex assault. It's like opening the first lid of Pandora's box so that they can have the courage to say, yeah, me too,
3: this happened to me too. The new law takes effect in January. Monica Ricks, KFI News. Well, about eh, 1030 last night, I was just getting ready to go to bed. I just let the dogs out, turned on the alarm. Everything was good and my phone rings. And if your phone rings at 10:30 at night, nah eh, probably for most people it's not that big a deal, but when you're like us and you get up in the middle of the night because your day's got to get going, somebody calling you at 10:30 at night's usually bad, right? So I sort of hesitate and I look and it's my husband and I thought, "Oh man, what's wrong?" I pick it up and he goes, "Oh my god, did you feel it?" It was a small freaking earthquake outside San Francisco. That spooked some people, like my silly husband, awake. The magnitude 4.5 quake struck last night about 1030. USGS survey scientist Sarah Minson says the chance of a bigger earthquake is small. This earthquake itself
4: um, doesn't appear to be on any major fault, at least as far as we can tell now. And the good thing about these small faults is that because they are physically so small, they tend not to be able to host very large earthquakes.
3: The earthquake came several minutes after a smaller 2.5 jolt in the East Bay. The USGS Did You Feel It? website received responses from people as far as Fresno and Reno. This is the guy who works for FEMA. Just remember that, everybody. Got scared over a 4.5. Thank you. Joe Biden's son Hunter has given it an exclusive interview to ABC News about his business dealings with Ukraine and China. The presidential impeachment inquiry involves President Trump's request for Ukraine to investigate the Bidens and alleged corruption. Now, Hunter Biden admits his actions enabled people to go after his father. You never thought this might not look right. You know what?
1: I'm a human. You know what? Did I make a mistake? Well, maybe in, in, in the
0: grand scheme of things. Yeah. But did I make a mistake based upon some un ethical lapse?
3: Absolutely not. All right. We'll talk more about that coming up at 520 with ABC's Brian Clark. Mona Kosar Abdi, good morning to you. So the president announced new sanctions yesterday, all to try and stop Turkey's assault on Kurdish fighters and civilians in Syria.
2: Right. So the situation on the ground there is quickly escalating and there is growing pressure uh, from Capitol Hill lawmakers from both sides of the aisle, uh, rebuking the president for his uh, abrupt decision to remove troops from northern Syria. But the Trump administration then called on Turkey to implement an immediate ceasefire in northern Syria. And then they imposed sanctions against Turkey, specifically the U.S. sanctioned three ministers and two government agencies in Turkey. So it's a strong slap to its senior leaders and an unprecedented step against the government of a NATO ally.
3: Now, when it comes to these actual sanctions, I know that the, the plan is to try and stop the, the Turks from going after the Kurds, try and get them to say, hey, look, this is uh, you know, you don't need to continue this assault. We never endorse this. The president Mm -hmm. has said that kind of from the beginning. But at the same time, there are a lot of people who say we need to stop this, not necessarily because of that, but because you've got those Kurds surrounding that um, prison that's got all of those ISIS fighters in it and their families. And we already Mm -hmm. know that some of them have escaped. So you want to make sure that they're able to continue to surround that prison and not let any more ISIS fighters out.
2: Right. And that's kind of the criticism that the president has been receiving from Capitol Hill. Even Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell uh, slammed Trump on Syria. He wrote in a statement yesterday that uh, his move will make a troubling situation much worse, not just regionally, but for the United States as well, for allowing for the resurgence of ISIS, whether it be these ISIS supporters that are escaping from the prisons uh, or just Uh, more conflict in the area, allowing uh, the resurgence of ISIS. But it seems the president uh, was on Twitter last week saying that the U.S. had uh, three options. One was to send more troops in, which uh, he says he did not want to do because he's trying to end these, quote, uh, endless wars. He said uh, to impose harsh sanctions on Turkey and to mediate the situation. So it seems like he's taking the 2 latter options. So he has implemented these sanctions now, and he's also directed Vice President Mike Pence and uh, National Security Advisor uh, Robert O'Brien to lead a delegation to Turkey. But what's interesting about that is the president on Twitter was uh, sending a different message. He said, anyone who wants to assist Syria in protecting the Kurds is good with me, whether it be Russia, China, or Napoleon Bonaparte. I hope they all do great as long as we are 7,000 miles away. But then here he is sending uh, his right-hand man, Vice President Mike Pence, to lead a delegation in Turkey. So, um, while he is still trying to take a step back approach, uh, he understands uh, the gravity of the situation and uh, what this move means uh, in the long run.
3: Yeah, because on one hand, you look at that tweet and you go, well, it contradicts if you're sending Mike Pence there. And, And when, by the way, should Mike Pence get there if, in fact, the vice president goes?
2: He said in the immediate future. So uh, he didn't give a timeline. They were very vague about that. But it seems that obviously with the situation escalating, this has only been a week uh, now since Turkey uh, has launched its assault on northern Syria. And we see the situation every day getting worse and worse. So it seems uh, that hopefully Vice President Mike Pence will be heading there soon.
3: So on one hand, that's the side that you go, okay, that contradicts what we've heard in the past. But then on the other hand, his his statement that, you know, if Russia comes in or if China comes in or Napoleon, that mm-hmm. one I hadn't heard yet. But he's saying, yeah. you know, basically he has been reiterating, hey, we've done our part. We need somebody else to step in and do its part now. Is that what he's still looking for or hoping for?
2: Right. So it seems that the president is okay with um at least, you know, seemingly appearing to have, uh, quote unquote, abandoned uh, the Kurdish allies. That is what he's receiving the most criticism from. That's what uh, even staunch Trump allies like Lindsey Graham and uh, Mitch McConnell say he's doing by removing these troops. Uh, But it seems, you know, even with the ISIS prisoners that you mentioned, the president yesterday in a tweet, an early morning tweet, Uh, accused Kurdish forces of trying to manipulate the situation, uh, saying perhaps they may be purposefully releasing prisoners themselves to drag the U.S. in this conflict with Syria. So it it seems that, you know, the president is trying to distance himself from a longstanding uh, U.S. ally. But on Capitol Hill, GOP lawmakers understand the importance of Uh, having the Kurdish as allies and and all the progress that has been made to fight ISIS in the region and how quickly things can get reversed if uh, the U.S. is to abruptly leave as the president is doing.
3: Yeah. And just the reputation with other allies and how quick are they going to be to jump onto our bandwagon knowing what's happened with the Kurds in the past. Mona, thank you so much for your time this morning. Thank you for having me. All right. See you later. That's ABC's Monaco Sarabdi. Abdi. So we'll let you know. And if, in fact, the vice president's trip does come up in the near future, you'll hear it first here on KFI. Well, five more State Department officials are scheduled to testify this week in the House impeachment inquiry. House Intelligence Committee Chair Adam Schiff says the president won't get the secrecy he wants. So far, there
4: have been real uh, breaks, significant breaks in the White House firewall. Um, it was their intention to prevent us from interviewing any witnesses. Um, they're failing at that.
3: Lawmakers heard yesterday from Fiona Hill, a former White House advisor on Russia. A former ambassador to Ukraine testified last week that President Trump pushed for her to be fired. The impeachment inquiry is focused on. With lucky landslides, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Well, a woman from Silmar and her three young children have disappeared. Police say Liliana Lopez and her kids aged five, six and nine may have been kidnapped from their home last week. Investigators are also looking for a man named Esteban Lopez, who is the father of at least two of the children. He's five foot eight with Lopez tattooed on his chest. It makes it a little easier to find. Some neighbors say they saw him partying at house over the weekend. Well, if that's the case, then where's the family? Fort Worth, Texas police officer who resigned after fatally shooting a black woman has been arrested and charged with murder. Officer Aaron Dean shot Tatiana Jefferson Saturday morning while she was playing video games with her nephew. Body cam footage shows Dean never identified himself and shot within seconds. Fort Worth Mayor Betsy Price says the city's ordered an independent review of the department. To
4: Tatiana's family, it's unacceptable. There is nothing that could justify. What happened on Saturday morning? Nothing.
3: The Fort Worth police chief says if Officer Dean hadn't resigned, he would have been fired based on the body cam footage. And wildlife officials are working to figure out what caused a dozen gulls to show up dead or dying on Huntington Beach.
1: Nine of the birds have died already. It was species specific, so it was just Western gulls. Wetlands and wildlife care manager Lisa Perone says three gulls also found last week have been nursed back to health. If it was something widespread, we'd see multiple species that were affected. Tests are being done to see if it was a
2: toxin or a poison. It could have been, you know, eating rancid fish, or you know, old bait. It could be some animal decomposing that they fed upon. Gulls are scavengers. They'll eat anything. She
1: says two more goals that appeared sick flew away. At the Wetlands and Wildlife Care Center in Huntington Beach, Corbin Carson, KFI News.
3: All right, as I've been telling you, when we come back, we'll talk with ABC's Brian Clark about this new interview with Hunter Biden. The former vice president's son defended his foreign business affairs in a recent interview, but he also says he didn't realize the political impact it may have on his father's future. Plus, we've got your chance to win some money. Your chance to win a grand is coming up, along with traffic on the five and your forecast on your wake up call. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Welcome to your wake-up call for Tuesday, October 15th. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. Here's some of the stories we're following in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. The LA City Fire Departments confirmed the fire that burned in the North Valley started at the base of a power pole in Silmar. Edison's filed a report with the Public Utilities Commission that says the utility system was impacted at the time of the fire. The fire department says there were no signs of a homeless encampment where that fire started. And charter school teachers in Porter Ranch have ripped a decision to go back to class right after the wildfire. Students of staff at Castle Bay Lane Charter ended up wearing masks yesterday. A lot of parents, picked up their kids early some teachers left because they reported feeling sick school officials promised to do a deeper cleaning before class today 605 it's handle on the news but right now let's say hello to abc's brian clark brian good morning so your crew at abc got an exclusive interview with hunter biden the vice president's son who's coming under a little fire for his foreign affairs his foreign business dealings
1: Good morning, Jennifer. And yeah, that conversation was actually out in Los Angeles where Hunter Biden lives. And that's kind of ironic because one of the refrains we've heard from President Trump and some of his supporters, where's Hunter amid this scrutiny? And he said, I'm here. I'm hiding in plain sight. But yeah, ABC spoke with him about pretty much everything at his home in Los Angeles.
3: So starting with us, uh, I'm assuming his dealings with Ukraine and uh, China, the deal that we just heard yesterday was pulling out of.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Well, the China thing that you mentioned there, he said that if his father's elected, well, he pulled off the board of that Chinese company. And then he said that if his uh, father is elected, he won't serve or he won't do business with any foreign companies. And then, of course, um the Ukraine situation, he said that he admitted that maybe it was poor judgment to get involved, but he said that he did nothing wrong. He said the only thing he was guilty of was poor judgment. He said he got in the middle of something that was a, a swamp in many ways, ironic choice of words there. <laughs> and he said that by his involvement in Ukraine, he gave the opening to some people who he called unethical to make this into a political issue.
3: I think, too, a lot of people are going to go, Okay, sure, you're pulling out of, you know, your whatever, your your Ukrainian business dealings used to be your Chinese business dealings now. But why now? Is it just because, you know, you, quote unquote, got caught or somebody called you out on it, that sort of thing? Would you actually have done this had this not come to light?
1: He basically has said. He didn't fully answer the question, but he said that you, you can understand why I'm pulling out right now. I think he realizes what this is doing to his uh, to his father's campaign. He doesn't clearly doesn't like being in the spotlight, but he said he just wants to keep doing the next right thing. And that's where he sort of is trying to frame himself right now.
3: So is that why he said he did the interview because he wanted to come clean on everything? He wanted he or not come clean, but he wanted people to know his side of the story, I assume.
1: Yeah, that's exactly what it seems like, because there was all this uh, mystery and scrutiny about what he was up to and where he is, and he basically did this with the perspective of, I'm right here, I'm living my life, and I'm not, I am not—I have nothing to hide. That's kind of the approach he's taking.
3: What does he do right now? He lives in L.A., we know that, but what what it, what are his actual business dealings now?
1: Well, he's still involved in business, but he's just saying he's not doing anything in these foreign countries. But one thing that he is actually pointing to is, He he was asked about this, and he admitted that he is a little bit concerned that all this attention could – he's got some addiction issues in his past. He was discharged from the Navy Reserve about five years ago after he tested positive for cocaine. So he said he's got to focus on all the healthy things in his life and not think about some of the other situations uh, living in fear that he might relapse. He says just stay positive, essentially. But he, he knows that he's been the son of a politician his entire life, and he said this comes with the territory.
3: All right. Thank you so much. We'll be watching this, of course. And Brian, when does this air?
1: Uh, You can watch it all morning on uh, Good Morning America.
3: All right. Sounds great. Brian, thanks so much for the preview. Thank you. All right. See you later. That's ABC's Brian Clark. And you know that whatever comes out in this debate or in this uh, interview, is going to be brought up at the debate tonight. And that's what we're going to talk about next with ABC's Alex Stone. There are so many just little issues that these candidates are going to have to tread lightly on. How do you point out that uh, one of the candidates' son had foreign business dealings, which, again, not that there has been anything proven that there was any any wrongdoing, just didn't pass the sniff test when it comes to what you do in politics and the, the fact that he said, well, I, did, I didn't even think that it was going to, you know, make a difference or that it was going to look bad. Eh, somebody had to have gone. Are you sure you want to do that? That's a smart family right there. Nobody just does things willy nilly and goes, hey, it's a great idea. I could be on this board. So that that one's going to be a little tough. Now, as far as the addiction issues, if he's five years clean, that's a great thing for Joe Biden to be able to point out. To say, hey, I've got this kid who had a substance abuse issue. He paid for it because he was, you know, discharged from the Navy, that sort of thing. And now we've put him on the right track. Uh, So we'll talk more about all this with ABC's Alex Stone coming up. But right now, let's talk about cell phones and your sex life. Cell phones could be taking a toll on said sex life.
2: A new survey by global tech solutions company Asurian polled nearly 2,000 Americans about their phone habits. Results found people who regularly take their phones to bed are two times more likely to use their devices than engage in romantic activity with their partner the hour before they fall asleep. 25% of those polled said the last thing they see each night before closing their eyes is their phones. One-third said they have at least talked about and acknowledged the need to turn away from their phones more often while in bed. Deborah Mark, KFI News.
3: Right now, I think after you talk about cell phones and your sex life, we should give you a chance to win some money. KFI
1: has your shot at $1,000 now. Text the nationwide keyword TALK, T-A-L-K, to 200-200. You'll get a confirmation text and info. Standard data and message rate supply in this nationwide contest. That's TALK to 200-200.
3: All right, and if you are the big winner, you're going to get a call from a number you don't recognize. Be sure that you pick that up. Because Mister Money, he has zero patience. He'll move on to somebody who will pick it up. And your next chance to win happens 14 times a day. Starts with me during wake up call, goes all the way to 6:20 at night with Conway. So good luck. All right, did you guys see this? The Ellen DeGeneres uh, picture at the at the ball game with George W. Bush, and she got so much flack for sitting with him. And she's like, "You guys, knock it off. We're buddies. Why is this even getting any flack? What can two people not sit together anymore?" We talked about this earlier. That just drives me crazy. Well, Howard Stern decided, I'm going to make the next headline with Ellen. So what he did, he went on her show yesterday and said, people are giving you grief about this picture. And he says, you know, but I'm always with you. I'm here to help. Here's how things went down on the show. Are you OK with this? Look, no, When's nothing the, when nothing is, worse can happen to me now. When, he basically said, I'm trying to erase when the, the last image. the
1: you kissed a guy? Like this, I mean, like, romantic. Wait, wait, how
3: are we going to kiss? <laughs> well,
1: you want to erase the George no, Bush we're picture. we're not going to make out. Well, I don't mean tongue. No tongue. I mean, no, no tongue. tongue.
3: No tongue.
1: Because, you know, listen, I don't want to make you throw up or anything. No. I mean, listen, just brace yourself. OK. When is the last time?
3: Not that long ago. I, oh, kiss, really? I kissed men on the lips. Yes. On the lips? Yes.
1: Who did you kiss on the lips?
3: Um, probably uh, Colin Farrell.
1: Really? Yeah. No or kidding.
3: Leo DiCaprio. Oh,
1: those ugly guys? Yeah. <laughs> well, now you're going to kiss a hot guy. All right. Are you ready? I, I am. I this sure This is am. the picture that is going to make America forget that you were sitting next to George W. Bush. You're so smart to do this. OK. Here we go. Hold
3: it. And and her kiss here. All right, I don't know if that actually wipes out the picture of her sitting with G-Dub, but uh, it definitely is going to put a new vision in your mind. That's for darn sure. All right, just out this morning, we've got the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame 2020. First-time nominees out. And this year, oh, man, from the RIP category. How will I know that he really loves Whitney Houston. I think this surprises me. It's taken this long. And another one also from the RIP category.
2: The
3: The Notorious B.I.G., Biggie Smalls. So we've got returning uh, nominees this year, too, along with the first timers. So you've got Whitney Houston, Biggie Smalls, Dave Matthews, the Doobie Brothers, Motorhead, Pat Benatar, Soundgarden, T-Rex and Lizzie, uh, Thin Lizzie, of course, uh, Depeche Mode, Judas Priest. Kraftwerk, uh, let's see, Nine Inch Nails, Rufus featuring Shaka Khan and Todd Rundgren. That's a lot. I don't know if I could pick one. That's too great of a, a group there. All. Can they all just go in? There's not one on that list that I would turn away. All right. When we come back, we'll talk with ABC's Alex Stone. Alex Stone. It's time for the Democratic presidential debate. This is number four. Now, this time it's hosted by CNN and The New York Times. So a whole lot of questions. Who's actually even on the debate stage tonight and what it take to make it onto the stage this time? How does Bernie Sanders address his health issues? Elizabeth Warren seems to be going up in the polls. Joe Biden, eh, he's not necessarily going down, but he's leveling out as she shoots up. How does he defend the attacks on his family? Even his new interview with his son. Did that help him or hurt him? We'll talk about all of that.
0: OK, round two. Name something that's not
1: boring.
2: A laundry? Oh, a book club computer solitaire, huh?
1: Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in.
3: 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Good morning. I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. Let's go right to ABC's Alex Stone. Where do we begin? I have 87 questions for you about tonight's fourth debate, Democratic presidential debate. And first of all, let's just start with where is it happening and who's going to be on the stage and what was the criteria for getting onto the stage this time around?
0: Well, to go down uh, that list there. Good morning, Jen We are in Westerville, Ohio, which is a suburb of Columbus population here around 40,000 people. We're at Otterbein University, and this is where it's going to unfold today. It's going to be 12 Democrats vying for time tonight. This is going to be the largest ever debate in a presidential race in terms of the number of candidates on stage there has never been a bigger one there was one republican race uh, presidential debate years ago that had 11 on stage never 12 and the focus tonight likely going to be on joe biden likely going to be on hunter biden bernie sanders biden and president trump obviously have been treading barbs sanders just suffered his heart attack he has to show he's strong enough to lead and in fact he's been taking to social media today's his big kickoff to return to the campaign trail he says he's ready to go
2: getting stronger every day we're gonna be out there on the campaign trail we're gonna be in the debate
0: Elizabeth Warren is rising in the polls in some of the polls she is a co front runner with Biden that there are just so many ways that this could go tonight but bottom line for those who are not in the center of the stage the lower polling candidates on the corners of the stage they need to make waves they need us talking about them tomorrow morning because the criteria to play for the next debate next month is going to be quite a bit tougher. So if they just barely made it into this one, they've got a claw on to survive for the next one. So you may see some fireworks out of them just trying to be heard, because there will likely be so much focus on Sanders, Biden, and Warren that they're going to be the others who are up there on stage. And with so many of them, it's going to be hard for Many to, to be heard at all.
3: And the first person I think of when you're talking about that, that description seems to fit uh, Tulsi Gabbard, who didn't even make the last debate, made it in this time and already has been, you know, yelling to anyone who will listen that this 2 percent and, and the number of votes that you seem to have or supporters you need to have is ridiculous and that it's all set up by the media and that this is, you know, not a fair way to have an election. Yeah,
0: absolutely, yeah. They've got to have 2% in four DNC-approved polls and receive at least 130,000 unique donations. They had to have them by October 1st. She just barely made it in. As you mentioned, she didn't make it into the last debate last month. And the other big name that in California we all know well, Tom Steyer, Uh, he's going to be on stage tonight that, that he was able to qualify as well. The billionaire hedge fund investor who from Northern California has been Very vocal uh, against the president for a long time, calling for impeachment for years, long before any of the the most recent dust up. Uh, But he'll be on stage uh, as well. But, you know, again, this is going to be it's going to be likely very hard to get the the whole cast up there off of the main topics, the ones that we know going in that they're going to want to talk about. But will they go down the road? Will the candidates really talk about Biden? Because what if he does become your nominee that They've been very careful to criticize him. Yeah, most of the candidates have said, well, they wouldn't allow a family member to sit on a board of a foreign company, but they don't go beyond that of what they would do uh, because you could be really helping out the Republican talking points if they begin to, to criticize. Same thing with Sanders. Biden and Sanders may have Teflon over them tonight. They may be in a glass bubble because you criticize Sanders at all tonight, and it looks like you're beating up on a weak old man Yeah. uh, until he can show that that he's back and strong. So, you know, it would seem that they've got to be careful and tread very lightly around both Biden and Sanders this evening, which may make for a really interesting debate. If none of them are, are really able to go after him or willing to, what will they all say amongst each other?
3: All right, Alex, thank you so much. I appreciate it. You got it. Thanks, Jen. Have fun tonight. ABC's Alex Stone. So let's let's go down the list. You've got Biden. He's got to defend his family. He's got to defend the uh, memory lapses, I guess some would say, in the past. So how do you go? How do you go after him if you're any of these Democratic candidates, knowing that all of your end goal? You've got two end goals. One is to be your Democratic frontrunner, obviously. The second is to beat Donald Trump. So you got to walk that fine line. You got to figure out how you go after the other candidates, but make sure to not look, make them look too bad because still you want your party in the end to beat Donald Trump, no matter whether you're the guy or not or lady. But if you are an Elizabeth Warren, how do you attack Bernie Sanders or can you even like Alex said, how can you make him look like a weak elderly guy without making him look like a weak elderly guy? What do you just go, Bernie? I'm glad you're here tonight. Uh, your recent heart scare, uh, you know, it was hard for us all to watch. Would do you do that? Do you are you passive aggressive about it? Is that the way to go? And then when it comes to Joe Biden's son, and how do you go after Hunter Biden without making it look like you're attacking this man's family? And especially after Hunter Biden. Look at look at the timing of this. Of course, he's going to go on GMA this morning, the morning of the debate that his dad's going to have to defend all of his actions. So tonight's going to be fascinating to me. You've got somebody like a Tulsi Gabbard, like Alex said, she's got to make herself known or I have a feeling this is this is kind of it for her. And if you're one of the people who didn't make the stage tonight, what what do you do from here? Do you just give up? Do you continue going on? Do you have supporters who are going to continue to give you money? she let you go on? That would be a tough one. So we'll see what happens. They're always fun. I know, I know. I always talk about how I'm a political wonk. Yes. But come on, they are fun, especially when you think about it, how these guys are going to walk this walk tonight or play this little chess game with each other. That is fascinating. Let's get back to some of the other stories coming out of the KFI 24-hour newsroom. This is one I wasn't expecting, but LeBron James has addressed the media for the first time since returning from China.
1: He says Rockets GM Daryl Morey was not educated before sending a tweet supporting protesters in Hong Kong just as the NBA had a series of events getting underway in China. A bunch of events were canceled.
2: I'm not here to judge um, how the league handled the situation. And um, you know, I just think that, you know, when you're misinformed or you're not educated about something, um, and, and I'm just talking about um, – you know, the tweet itself, you know, you never know what the ramifications that can happen. Um, and, um, you know, we all see what that did. Um, not only did um, for our league... Um but for all of us in America, uh, for people um, in China as well. And sometimes you have to think through uh, things that you say uh, that may cause harm, not only for yourself, but for, for, for the majority of people. And um, I think that's just a prime example of that.
1: Those comments were before last night's Lakers-Warriors game at Staples. After the game, LeBron tweeted his team and the NBA just went through a difficult week and that Moray could have waited a week to send the tweet. Critics have said if LeBron thinks he's had a difficult week, that's nothing compared to the last few months for protesters in Hong Kong. Aaron Bender, KFI News. Ouch.
3: And the other thing, too, speaking of ouch, is what this means to LeBron's bottom line. Think of all of the marketing and commercialism that goes on of LeBron James material in China. So i going to hit him in the pocket, too. Well, L.A. Kings fans. I, I've never been a fan of Taylor Swift, but uh, I feel like you're going to join me now. You won't have to keep seeing Taylor Swift's banner at Staples Center. The hockey team made an announcement over the weekend. It's going to cover up Taylor Swift's banner during their home games. A Kings marketing rep says the team wants to show fans the team is listening. Fans also believe the singer's banner has ushered in years of bad luck for the franchise. The Kings haven't won a playoff series since Swift's banner went up in 2015. So, not saying. Just saying. Just saying. (laughs) <laughs> uh, i don't know why I, I she seems like a perfectly nice person i don't know why i and i love pop music so what i don't know All right, let's talk about Ronan Farrow. His new book is coming out today, the one Catch and Kill, Lies, Spies, and Conspiracy to Protect Predators. This is the one that we all heard all of the allegations against Matt Lauer coming out in. Well, now, according to, uh, this is an article out of Politico this morning, American Media Inc. and the National Enquirer shredded sensitive Donald Trump-related documents that had been in a top-secret safe right before Trump was elected, according to the new allegations made in this book by Farrow. During the first week of November 2016, the book says that Dylan Howard, who was the editor in chief at the time of the National Enquirer, ordered a staff member to get everything out of the safe and said, we need to get a shredder down there. Now, his order came on the same day a reporter for The Wall Street Journal had called the Enquirer to ask for a comment on a story about how AMI, which owns the Enquirer, had paid 150 grand to former Playboy model Karen McDougal, who said she had the affair with Trump And in order to keep her quiet right before the election, they paid her the money. The Inquirer never published that story. Well, this staffer opened the safe, got out of sight of documents, tried to rest it shut, apparently. But then later reporters would discuss the safe like it was the warehouse where they stored the Ark of the Covenant in Indiana Jones. But it was small and cheap and old. Got to love a newsroom. The safe which... Often got jammed, apparently. It sat for years in an office that belonged to the Enquirer's then longtime executive director, Barry Le- uh, Levin. Farrow also quotes an Enquirer employee as saying that later that day, a trash disposal crew collected a, quote, larger than customary volume of refuse. So those are the kind of allegations and news that are going to come out in Ronan Farrow's new book. Again, it comes out today called Catch and Kill, Lies, Spies and Conspiracy to Protect Predators. Some of the other stories we're taking a look at in the KFI 24-hour newsroom. I, you know, I'm like you. I like a good cup of coffee as much as the next guy. And yes, am I one of those dumb people who's willing to pay five, six bucks for a good cup of coffee? Of course I am. But would you pay 15 bucks? Like, where do you draw the line when it's coming to it? Well, apparently, Five Lives loves coffee. So when I guess they heard of the elusive geisha beans that hit stores in L.A., they had to try it. Cafe Lux recently announced the launch of its very first Geisha, which or some consider the world's most sought after coffee, from the award-winning Dona Elvira's family-owned Finca Alto Jamarillo in Panama. Now, some companies got the Geishas at auction for $1,000 a pound. Cafe Lux's Geisha earned one of the highest cupping scores ever at 98 points. 15 bucks though, a cup. I mean, that's eight ounces for 15 bucks. No, nope, nope, nope. I know there are some of those like trendy juices and, uh, you know, I don't know, the kale add spinach here, green drink things that go for eight, nine bucks, but 15 bucks for a little, little cup of joe. No, I don't think so. Researchers from UCLA and Stanford say they've developed a device to generate electricity from the night sky. The renewable energy source is known as a radioactive sky cooling. So when things cool down at night, all that energy has to go somewhere, right? The researchers say their discovery could help developing countries that don't have access to electricity at night. And Cerritos College officials say the largest donation ever given to a school will help hundreds of students for years to come. School president Jose Fierro says $2.3 million was donated to the school's highly acclaimed woodworking program.
1: To motivate the students to go through woodworking as a profession. So we will cover their tuition and potentially their materials in many cases.
3: He says the money will help students study for careers as cabinet makers, furniture finishers, machine operators and craft woodworking artists. What I love about that is those are forgotten trades and I love that they're bringing it back. That's cool. All right. We come back. We'll talk with ABC's Ryan Burrow. Got to close out the show with a controversy over mac and cheese. Yeah, there is one specifically Panera, is having to defend the way it makes its mac and cheese after a video by an employee went viral. We'll tell you what the video showed and why it's causing all this scandal. Plus, traffic in your forecast coming up on your wake-up call. Mac and cheese,
0: mac, mac and cheese. Uh, can I have some, please? Mac and
3: cheese. KFI and AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Mac the L.A. City Fire Department has confirmed the fire that burned in the North Valley started at the base of a power pole in Silmar. Edison filed a report with the PUC. It says the utility system was impacted at the time of the fire. The fire department says there were no signs of a homeless encampment where the fire started. We're just minutes away from Handle on the News this morning, but let's talk about that mac and cheese wrap this morning. Kind of actually what it is wrapped in is part of the scandal. Good morning, Ryan Burrow. Man, you got a heck of a story this morning. Your story is Cheesy. And so yeah.
4: <laughs> I get that quite a bit, actually. <laughs> uh, yeah. The, um, the Panera bread company, we all love it and it's great. And we go there and, and you know, we eat the food and, and someone who works for Panera, uh, decided to post a video called Exposing Panera uh, on the TikTok. You familiar with TikTok? Yes. It's like the newest, coolest thing that the social media kids are using. Uh, Posted this video. She works there, and um, the video shows her uh, pulling the frozen mac and cheese, which is in a a plastic bag, out of the freezer, uh, putting it in boiling hot water, then taking another bag out of the boiling hot water, cutting it open, Uh, you know, pushing it out of the bag onto the bowl and then serving it and giving a thumbs up and, uh, a lot of people saw that video, and they said, oh, my gosh, we can't believe it. It comes frozen. It's not made fresh there at the store. Other people are like, well, what do you expect it to be? Uh, it's, that's you know not, not shocking. It's not as though there were bugs in it or she was licking it or anything like that. Uh, it's just that's the process. Well, needless to say, the video uh, went viral uh, last week, um, got over a million likes. Um, she got fired uh, and posted that on Twitter, uh, and now Panera obviously has a statement out saying that uh, the mac and cheese is made off-site uh, with our proprietary recipe developed by our chefs. It's ship frozen to our bakery cafes, and this allows us to avoid using preservatives that do not meet our standards. So they're saying, "Look." Uh, it's fresh when we make it. Uh, This is just, you know, we have to freeze it to to send it to our our stores.
3: Well, yeah, I feel like this is much to do about nothing, considering the fact that they're saying our chef still made it. Of course, there's there's no, uh, I have never, ever seen a job description for Panera hiring for a specifically mac and cheese maker, where you're just going to stand back there and make mac and cheese for eight hours a day.
4: Yeah, yeah, you know, That's a lot of people thing. agree with you that this is not really, uh, you know, all that big of a deal. Everyone's doing it, though, uh, you know, a lot of these restaurant brand restaurants brand themselves as being the freshest food and, you know, handmade and uh, things like that. So, uh, you know, as far as Panera firing her, it may be because she posted a video of her working, I think, if any of us, uh, you know, uh, video to uh, uh, maybe a meeting or something like that and then post it to social media, we probably would uh, you know, get reprimanded in one form or another. So that that may be why she uh, she got fired. Oh,
3: yeah. There, I'm sure there's like a code of conduct issue or something that goes along with it. And I wonder, too, how companies like Chick-fil-A, who just came out with It's Mac and Cheese, uh, how they're going to use this to their benefit. Are they going to say, oh, we do make ours at our place? Uh, because I have to say, my husband and I did a late night run to Chick-fil-A where it was like 9.45 Five, and the lady's like, oh, congratulations, you got the last back batch of mac and cheese tonight. So I thought, oh, they must make oh. it here fresh.
4: Yep, fresh never frozen. That's always the goal, right? That's what we think. Now, do you want to be the last person to get it? Because that not that kind of the bottom you know of the, the bowl then?
3: I, I said the same thing to my husband, and his response was, who cares? <laughs>
4: it's mac and cheese. It's mac Play and cheese. To the music, people.
3: Exactly. <laughs> All right, Ryan, have a great day. See you later. Take care. Hey, this is KFI K-O-S-T-H-D-2 Los Angeles. It's like pizza. Who cares? It's pizza. Who cares? It's mac and cheese. We lead local. Live from the KFI 24-hour newsroom, I'm Jennifer Jones-Lee. This has been your wake-up call. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere.
4: Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom?
2: Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time.